on. Let's give a 10 time bigger hand for Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, you can do better than that, ACC. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray before we get seated. Father, we thank you for this day that we get to be in your presence, Lord. What a wonderful place to be in your church, Lord, in your presence, Father. Surrounded with saints, surrounded with godly people. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're in this place, Lord, moving among every row, moving among every person. I thank you, Lord, that you're touching every heart today. I thank you, Lord, let your fire fall in this place. Let your river flow, Lord. Let every chain be broken in, in this place. And I thank you, Lord, for great joy in your presence. Thank you for this awesome church. Thank you for what you're doing in this house. And we know it's only the beginning, Lord. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen, amen, amen. Well, it's such an honor to be here with you today at Amsterdam City Church where it's all about... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm part of the family now. So. <laughs> Pastor John, Pastor Gray, thank you. Pastor Grace, thank you so much for the invitation to be here. It's an honor to be here today with you. What an amazing church. We've, of course, been looking a little bit from the sidelines to see what God is doing here at ACC. And it's just supernatural to see what God is doing. We know it's only the beginning. You guys are friends. You guys are, you know, it's, a, it's an honor to co-labor with you in this city, you know, and to be building the kingdom together. It's amazing. You guys are soul winners, word lovers, love the Holy Spirit. You know, you know how it is. There's not a whole lot of people that are on that same line as you, but it's great to have people that are in the same flow and the same grace and to build the kingdom to God here in Amsterdam together. See the city shaken. Amen. Amen. Come on, give your, give your awesome pastors a big, big hand. Amen. Well, I got a dangerous word for today and you know normally you don't talk about these things and these kinds of topics when you first come to a church because it's dangerous but I feel like today is going to be okay I think you're ready for it <laughs> some people are convinced others are like mm, I don't know <laughs> but um, we're in this series on ascension right about how Jesus went up in the clouds to heaven and ascended on high and the Bible says, you know, in Acts chapter 1, when, they ascend, when he ascended, all the disciples were standing around looking into heaven. And then when they were staring into heaven, just staring, then suddenly these angels stood there by their side and said, Galileans, what are you standing there staring into heaven like a bunch of idiots? What are you doing? What are you staring into the clouds? And then they said, the same Jesus as you've seen him go, the same way he'll come back again. He went on the clouds and he's coming back on the clouds. And I can tell you today that day is coming very, very soon. That Jesus is coming back on the clouds and the eastern sky will split. And he will, we will be caught up together with Christ, with all the saints in the clouds with him. And we'll have a meeting in the sky. Maybe one Sunday will come. We'll all be shouting in our church, you know. ACC will be making more noise, I think, than River maybe. But I don't know. We're trying to keep up with you, okay? When Pastor John was doing that, that, that thing, <laughs> I, I looked at my friend Pastor David here, and I said, too white for this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to keep up. But if I try, I might break both of my kneecaps. <laughs> I believe in healing, but I'm not going to try. <laughs> so I just I skipped that one. But they said... As you've seen him go, so he'll come back again. But then we're not going to be like the Galileans who were standing there staring into heaven. We got a job to do. Amen. Jesus said, occupy till I come. Tell, tell your neighbor, occupy. In other words, get busy, get working, get moving. In other words, next weekend, you know, Pentecost weekend, harvest time. Amen. <laughs> got to be laboring in the field. But... It's not just that. When we understand that there's a great harvest to be reaped, that Jesus said, don't say four more months and then comes the harvest. But he said, look up to the fields and see that the harvest is ripe. The fields are white. The harvest is ready. And 
pray the, therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into the field. I'm so happy that Jesus is raising up all these laborers here in this place. There's such a mighty harvest field in this city and in this nation. And the harvest is so ready. But he's looking for laborers in the field. But, as, and that's, we're going to zoom into the topic today because some people are wondering what we're going to talk about today. But as we understand that he is coming back very soon. As we understand that time is running out. As we understand that it's two seconds before midnight. The dear sister, she read Isaiah chapter 60. Arise and shine for your light has come. Darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness will cover the people. You know, you don't have to be super spiritual to understand that the world is getting darker and darker. That the enemy knows his time is running out. That the enemy knows that what he wants to do in this world, he has to do in a, in a, in a, in a rapid tempo. Right? That, they, that we live in, in times of acceleration. That the things of the darkness are accelerating. Where Holland was 10, 15, 20 years ago. That's not where we are today. It's rapidly going into the wrong direction. But we as a church, Amsterdam City Church, River Amsterdam Church, we say no. Enough is enough. There's a line in the sand. Devil, this land does not belong to you. This nation belongs to Jesus. Amen. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood. The Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. You are that standard. We are that standard. So we understand that time is running out. We understand Jesus is coming back very soon. We understand that we, this world is reserved for fire. You and I, we're not going to be part of that fire because we got Holy Ghost fire. We let the fire burn. Fire now, so no fire later. <laughs> Amen. So... We understand things are running out. Times are running out. And that there's a work to be done. There's a harvest to be reaped. And what we, what we must understand, the Bible says, we came with nothing and we go with nothing. Right? Naked and wrinkly you came into this world. <laughs> Naked and wrinkly you go out of this world. Right? And Jesus said, until I come, occupy till I come. Do something with the talent I've given you. You know, there's that parable. I'm, we're going to read scripture in a minute. But there's the parable of the talents where one got five. and the, Pastor John got five. I'm the one with one talent. <laughs> That's okay. I'm using that one. <laughs> I told him, you have too many talents. You need to stop doing some stuff. Some others need to rise up and run some things around here. <laughs> but... The one with the one talent, he buried the talent. He couldn't say, well, I only had one. I had nothing to give. I had nothing to do. All I have is this. No, no, no. He had to occupy. He had to put it to work. It doesn't matter where you find yourself today. It doesn't matter if you've only been saved a week or a month or a year. It doesn't matter if you have nothing to give, if you have zero money in your account, if you have zero talents. You can't play the instruments like them. You can't sing like them. You can't. But you have something to give, my friend. You have something to occupy till he comes. And I can promise you, I'm a living proof that if you take the little that God has given you and you put it to work, you put it in the master's hands, a little becomes much when you put it in the master's hands. Amen. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to actually talk about financial overflow today. Just smack your neighbor and say overflow. Say more than enough. In Galatians chapter 3, we're going to read. And as I start that topic and as, you, as you're turning there to Galatians 3, just quickly about my wife and myself because I know many of you don't know us. But uh, my wife and myself, um, I'm a Dutch guy. My wife is Puerto Rican. I don't know if we have any Hispanics here in the place just to go, ay, 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 ay. <laughs> But uh, we met in Florida. I, I got saved in 2006 here in Holland in university. And then I moved to Florida to go to one year of Bible school. That one year turned into six years. And I was part of the ministry of Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. And, you know, just went through three years of Bible school and worked in that ministry in different facets and was really trained up for what God wanted me to do. And then in 2012, the Lord spoke to me, River Amsterdam, River Amsterdam, River Amsterdam. And he told me that the dams and the dikes of religion and tradition and destruction of men in Holland would be broken and that this nation would be flooded with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So that's what we see in our spirit, a nation flooded with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So my wife and I, we were there. We had good jobs in the USA. But we gave everything away in the U.S. to come here to start this church. 
And in the beginning, you know, I, I had a university degree and uh, I could go to work and all these different things. But the Lord told me this. He said, don't work a secular job. If you can't believe me now for a few thousand per month, how are you going to believe me for millions later? And you're going to need millions. How many know that to see that mighty harvest come in, the harvest of souls, to see the church have the best buildings, to see the church have the best billboards, to see the church take over secular television, to see the church take over secular radio, to see the church flood the nation with the gospel of the Lord. When deep darkness covers the world and, 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 and darkness covers the people, then what, what must happen? The glory of the Lord must arise over us. But it takes money. The gospel is free, but it takes money to get it out to people. And I don't know about you, but I'm believing for, for the best. That the, the church in Amsterdam will have the best buildings. Will have the best airtime on television. Amen. That the world will come looking at us and say, what's going on here? Because if you read on in Isaiah chapter 60, it says, kings will come to the brightness of your rising. Amen. The time will come that kings in this nation will come and say, what's going on at ACC? Some people don't believe me. They're doubting Thomas here today. So we, we gave everything away and, and the Lord very much instructed us, don't work a secular job. Learn. Learn to walk by faith. Learn to live from your giving. Learn to see these biblical principles that I'm going to talk about today. Learn to see those manifest in your life like we just sung. And it's one thing to sing about it, but it's another thing to activate it. And we're going to teach you how to activate it. And maybe you're in this place today and you need financial breakthrough. You came to the right service. This whole message might irritate you, might bother you. You're like, man, why is he telling me to do this and to do that and to talk about money? I need money. I'm the one that's supposed to get money. Then, then listen very attentively. Because I give you a key to breakthrough for your life. See, when we first came to Holland, we had nothing. Nothing. One moment we came, when, when, we, when we came a year later, we were building the church, building the church, out on the streets, winning souls, winning souls, winning souls. And we are believing God, but we had no income. And you know, the church is like 10 people. And we could barely pay the rent for the auditorium for, from, from whatever came in on Sundays. But we're not living from what people give. We're living from what the Lord gives us. Amen. So... One day came and I'm negative a thousand euros on my Rabobank. And my wife looked in the cool cost and there's like a little bit of spaghetti sauce. And we had a little bit of spaghetti in the pantry. No meatballs, no meat at all. And that's not good, right? I'm not a vegan. I want, I want meat. <laughs> so she made a meal with that and we ate that that night. And we had, we had no perspective of any income whatsoever coming in. But we just lifted our hands at our dinner table and we said, Father, we thank you. We have never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging for bread. We thank you, Lord, you are our shepherd and we shall never lack. I thank you, Lord. I've been young and I've been old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I thank you for it, Lord. And we thank you that you supply all our needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We had been sowing seed. We had been giving. We had been tithing from the little that we had. We had been radically given. Guess what? That night as we went to bed, we didn't know what we were going to feed our daughter. She was one. We didn't know what we were going to feed her the next morning. But we went to bed in peace because we know he's a good God. Amen. Amen. We didn't send a Facebook note, you know, like, oh, keep me in prayer. Please, and here's my giving link. Here's my uh, GoFundMe account, you know. We didn't send out any newsletter. We just sent a newsletter out to heaven. Father, you are faithful. You have never forsaken us. And that night as we were sleeping, <laughs> it amazes me every time I talk about it. In Brazil, I don't know how many thousand kilometers that's away from here. Thousands of kilometers away. As we are sleeping, people in Brazil that we hadn't talked to in over a year, year and a half, they get a dream at night. In the dream, the lady, she, she has the dream. And in, in that dream, we came over to their house for dinner. But she said, in the dream, I knew you didn't come just for the gezelligheid. <laughs> you came because you don't have food in your house. And she was woken up in the middle of the night with an amount in her heart. She woke up her husband in the middle of the night and said, we have to send money to Ben and Jackie. He's like, who? You know Ben and Jackie in Amsterdam? Oh, okay. And they send money to us. As we are sleeping, we are waking up. The next morning, we have an email my wife has this email from this lady explaining this whole dream and we have money in our account. We know how to get breakfast for our daughter now. Hallelujah. I have never seen the righteous forsaken 
No, there's seed begging for better. And these things don't just work for pastors. It's for every believer. Amen. The good news is today, a few years later, we're no longer in need of somebody, God giving people a dream to get us food on our table. Now, last month, over 100,000 euros in extra expenses we had to, we had to spend because we're in the Rai now on Sundays. Now, our, our giving is hundreds of thousands of euros every month. Every, every year, sorry, every year. Hundreds of thousands of euros every year that give, that we give from the ministry. Now we are able to supply other people with food on the table every day. Amen. So where you are today is not where you're going to be in a year. Wherever you find yourself today is not where you're going to be in one year from now. If you apply these principles that I'm going to teach you today. Amen. You ready? Let's go. You found Galatians 3? One person did. Galatians 3 verse 7. I'm going to read verse 7 through 9. It says, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. Preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, In you all the nations shall be. What's the gospel? In you. All the nations shall be blessed. God preached the gospel to Abraham saying, Abraham, in you and in your seed, all nations will be blessed. When Jesus showed up, what did he do? He became a curse for us so we could be blessed. We could be first of all spiritually blessed that we go from darkness to light, from death to life. But it doesn't stop there. We get also physically blessed because now instead of sickness we can have health. But we also get materially blessed. Instead of curse, we come under the blessing of Abraham. Oh, hallelujah. In you, all of Holland will be blessed. Amen. So then those who are of faith are blessed. Everybody say, I am blessed. See, if we are, who's of faith here? So if we're of faith, the Bible says we are blessed. If I are blessed, then I is blessed. And if I is blessed, then I am blessed. It doesn't matter what your bank account tells you. It doesn't matter what the devil tells you. You can tell him right in his face, I am blessed. I is blessed. I am blessed. I are blessed. Some people say, this, guy, this Dutch guy doesn't know his English. <laughs> so if I am blessed and in me and in you, in Christ, Christ in us, we are called to be a blessing to our nation, then you got to be really radically blessed. Amen. It's not just about money manifesting in your own life for you. That's where it starts. He gives you richly all things to enjoy. But really what it's all about is you becoming a channel of the blessing of God. That if somebody is in any need, that God has blessed you to such an extent that, oh, we need a building, Pastor John. It's okay. I'll pay for it. Nobody believes it, Pastor John. I'm sorry. Oh, your family needs a, your mom or dad needs a vacation. Instead of you coming for, to them for a loan, now you come to them. Hey, I'll send you on a vacation. Oh, you, sister, you need a car? I'll take care of that car. Come on, that's how God wants to bless you. The Bible says it, right? Jesus said you got to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, right? Take care of people. How can you do that when you're struggling for yourself? Some people say, well, the struggle is real. No, that's a bunch of crap. The struggle is not real. The struggle is over. The struggle is over. The struggle is over because you are blessed. No more struggle. Only blessing. The Bible says goodness and mercy follow me some days. The good, goodness and mercy follow me because I have rich friends. If only ever I can have a few rich friends. No, no, no. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because I dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Okay, let's read on here in verse 13. Verse 13 and 14, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Why don't you lift both hands and say, I am redeemed. Vrijgekocht. Redeemed from the curse. Whatever curse that was still remaining in your life. Today, by the light of the word. The entrance of his word gives light. By the light of the word coming in, that curse is just shattered off your life. Amen. No curse can hold you. There's no curse for the people of God. You're too blessed to be cursed. So Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. 
For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. That was, that's you. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So we have the blessing of Abraham on us. When Jesus, you know, when in Genesis chapter 1, you know, God, when God made the world, God made the world very, very good. He looked at everything he created and he stepped back and he said, it's very good. You know, in the first chapter of Genesis, seven times it says good, 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 good. And then at the end it says, the seventh time it's very good. Even in the beginning, in the first chapter, God manifests his goodness. He is the fullness of goodness. Seven times good. Very good. He didn't create you and me to live in the struggle. He created this world for us to enjoy. Not to endure life, but to enjoy life. So, but then sin came in. And when sin came in, the curse came in. And you know how it went. Most of us know that when the, the sin came, God, you know, rebuked the, the, the snake. And he said, you know, you'll, you'll crawl into the, in the dust. But then he told Adam and Eve and he said, you know, this ground that was so fruitful before, now you plow it with the sweat of your brow. And what will it produce? Thorns and thistles. What did Galatians 3 say? It said that Christ became a curse for us. What did he take? He took the stripes on his back for our healing. He took the nails in his hands and his feet. You know, and he shed his blood for our redemption and for, to, for the forgiveness of our sins. But he took something on his head. What was it? A crown of thorns and thistles, my friends. He became a curse for us. That curse that came upon the world when Adam and Eve sinned. And, the, and God said, the ground is cursed for your sake. And that fruitful ground is now only producing thorns and thistles. Jesus didn't say, he didn't just say, give me those stripes to get them healed. But he said also, give me that crown of thorns on my head. From the sweat of your brow, you will plow the ground and it will only produce thorns and thistles. But Jesus on his sweaty brow, he took those same thorns and thistles and he said, give me that curse. Give me that curse so they can be blessed. Give me their lack and their poverty and their want and their need and their, and their financial distresses that breaks up so many homes and that breaks up so many marriages and that brings so much stress and, and sickness in their lives and in their bodies. Give it to me so they can be blessed. That's what Jesus did. So it's, it's no, no longer right for you and me to live in that same poverty and that same lack because Jesus paid the price. And if he paid the price for my sin, I don't want to live in sin anymore. If he paid the price for my sickness, I don't want to live in sickness anymore. And if he paid the price for my poverty, then I don't, I don't want to live in poverty anymore. Because the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich. And he will add no sorrow to it. Sorrow-free riches. Amen. Somebody said, looking at me and say, but, but, but Ben, I thought that, the, that, that money is the root of all evil. Half truth. The love of money is the root of all evil. So when you got sticky fingers, Dagobert Duck, you know. Like the birds from Finding Nemo. Mine, mine, mine. That's a problem. That's a heart issue. That's what Judas had. When somebody gave a lavish offering on Jesus, that alabaster box, and poured out a year's worth of wages. Let's say 30,000 euros. Poured it out on Jesus in one offering. Some people say, that's ridiculous. That's what Judas said too. So what category of people do you want to be in? Do you want to be in the group with Judas? Well, that's ridiculous. That's extravagant. That's too much. Jesus didn't say that's too much. Jesus said, what you call a waste, I call worship. And Jesus, uh, Judas actually revealed his own heart when he had a problem with that offering. You know why? Because he had his hand in the money bag Jesus said, there where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you have a problem with money, it's not a back pocket issue, it's a heart issue. Hey. And the only way to break that power of mammon off your life, that power of that stinky greed and poverty mentality and all this lies from the devil, the only way to break it off is to walk by faith. And walking by faith is not passive. Because the Bible says... That faith without works is? It's dead. It's muerte. It's dote. So we have to activate our faith. And how do we do that? By becoming that channel. That hand that holds on to our stuff so tightly, it has to open up 
so that that water can flow through us. Just like we do with soul winning. That we go on the streets and we let the living water flow out of us. And you say, well, it's uncomfortable for my flesh. What are people going to say? I'm going to look ridiculous. I can't even sing as good as Pastor John. But still, you go out there in obedience and what happens? The river of life starts flowing out of you. And people get born again. And people get changed and transformed. And you're laying up eternal treasure. But the same way with our finances. When we open up our hearts to give, guess what happens? That 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 river of blessing starts flowing out of our life and we start laying up eternal treasure that way as well because maybe you're not the one preaching on Sunday but when you give guess what the same harvest that is reaped here it's also you're a partaker of that same thing Jesus said it he said use your money to lay up heavenly treasures heavenly treasures eternal things so we understand time is running out eternity is very is around the corner and all we can take with us is people. Can't take our money with us. Can't take our car with us. Can't take our shoes with us. Can't take anything with us. So we might as well use it for the advancement of the gospel. And actually when we do that, you think in the natural calculating mind, I studied business administration so I had to deal with this. It's like, well, when I give, I have less. And I already don't have enough, so how am I going to survive? That's natural thinking. Natural economy functions on Buying and selling, supply and demand. But there's a different economy I want you to be partaker of. A heavenly, supernatural economy. And that doesn't, that doesn't function on buying and selling, supply and demand. It functions on sowing and reaping. Giving and receiving. And when you start partaking in that thing, you step in from the natural into the supernatural. See, God has not destined us to live a normal, natural life where it's all calculated. He's destined us to live a supernatural life where you write books full of testimonies. Where you say, man, I was on that Sunday in ACC and this crazy Dutch preacher started yelling at me about money. And, and, and it bothered me in the beginning. But then I started activating my faith. And I started applying and I started putting seed in the ground. And now three years later, I have a multi-million dollar business. And I don't know, I can only say, look what the Lord has done. I really believe there's people here. That's, that's what I felt in my spirit. That there's, there's people here, number one, there's people here that really desperately need a breakthrough. That you're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it to the end of this week. I don't know how to make it to the end of the month. We're not here to extract anything from you. Number one, I'm not getting anything. I'm here to be a blessing to you and to be a blessing to this church. I, I see what it has done in the river and for the people of the river. Where people have testimony after testimony of the blessing of God and the favor of God and promotions and, and just ridiculous things. One guy I prayed for, he was hundreds of thousands of euros in debt and his business had just gone bankrupt. And he was just over his eyeballs in debt. He came to me. I said, pray for me. And I prayed with him. Because there was a kingdom business anointing on his life. But he just had made a mess of it. So I prayed with him. Within a year, he was not just out of debt. But he was a million in the plus. Now years later, there's millions coming through his hands. And, and that's the second category of people. that there, there might be people here that have that kingdom business anointing. You really, man, like Pastor John is called to preach. There's some people here, you're called to be that kingdom builder through business. That God will entrust you with ridiculous amounts of wealth for you to enjoy, but number, really number one, to build this kingdom. Amen. Amen. I want to look at Deuteronomy 28. Verse 1. We saw just now in Galatians 3 that the blessing of Abraham is now upon us. If that blessing is upon us now, it's good for us to know what that blessing is. I want to encourage you as well. We're going to read verse 1 through 14. But from 15, verse 15 on down to the end of the chapter, it's all curse, 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 curse. I don't recommend you read that every day because it's not very uh, uplifting. But I recommend you reading that at least once in your life so you know what you've been redeemed from. That curse only talks about, you know, you'll marry a wife but somebody else will lay with her. You'll plant a field, but somebody else will harvest it. All these curses that Christ redeemed us from. But let's look at the blessing, verse 1 through 14. Because this is what Christ paid for you to come upon you. 
says verse 1, Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. We're not meant to be, we're not destined to be the tail always. We're not supposed to be scratching around looking for a place to have church. The church, that's what, uh, you're going to start some real estate thing. That's awesome. The church should have the best buildings in all of Holland. Amen. The world should be coming to us say, hey, uh, can I use your building? We're like, mm, I don't know. What do you believe? <laughs> Not the other way around. Yeah, but the devil has kept the church poor and broke and in a begging position. Always in need. Always hand out. And thinking that's holy to be poor. See, who's the most holy? God is the most holy. And the Bible says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord. He's also the most rich. So if it's holy to be poor, then something's wrong. So don't let the devil lie to you. Oh, I'm just holy. I got nothing. I'm scratching. You know, I don't know how I'm going to feed my kids. That's not God's plan. God's plan for you is to have abundance, more than enough, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, blessing your kids, blessing your parents, blessing your pastors, building the kingdom. Come on. More than enough for every good work. That anytime there's an opportunity to give, you say, oh, I, I got plenty. Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> We've been, we've been indoctrinated with all these demonic lies to keep you and I small and broke and poor and begging. But it's a lie from the pit of hell. But there's a whole generation of people, men and women of God, normal Christians that are grabbing a hold of the word of God and say, that's mine. It's mine today. Where I am today is not where I'm going to stay. I'm going to walk in the abundance of God. And I'm going to be a big, big blessing to my world. Amen. And the poverty and the lack you knew as a child growing up, your children will never know it. Amen. You will lay up an inheritance for your children and your children's children. High above. Shout it out. High above. And all these blessings you're going to chase after. Huh? That's what people do. That's what the world does. The world is chasing after blessings. The world is chasing after money. The world is in the rat race of life, you know, working their whole life, getting stomach ulcers and all these things and losing their families, sacrificing their kids on that altar of success, trying to get it all. That's the world's way. That's the rat race. That's not what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about is what the Bible says. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. Have you ever been on the highway where a big truck, a vrachtwagen, just overtakes you? You're driving along in your Hyundai E10, weet je wel. And then suddenly, whoosh, this big truck passes you and you, you have to hold on to the steering wheel because you feel something big just overtook you. That's what it says. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. You're about to be overtaken this month. Amen. Somebody's about to be overtaken with blessings. You're not chasing after them. They're chasing after you. Jesus said it in Matthew 6.33. And this is probably the key verse from this whole teaching. We're going to go back to Deuteronomy 28. What does it say? Seek first. Yeah, seek first the kingdom of God. Also in your finances, put God first. Put his kingdom first. Put him first with the tithe, the first fruits of all your increase. Put him first in your giving. Put him first in your seeking. Put him first in your desires. Put him first in your motive. Put him first in your time. Put him first in your efforts. Put God's first. Why? When you put God first, you never finish last. When you honor God, God says, I will honor you. But many people, they're out there looking for blessings all week long. And they're like, okay, on Sunday, will God please help me? It's backwards. It's backwards. Put God in the beginning. That's why we come together on Sundays, first day of the week. 
The week doesn't start on Monday. The week starts on Sunday. And we come the first day of the week to honor God with our time. We give God our best. We give God our first. We give God the very best of our time. And we give God the very best of our finances. And all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in Amsterdam. And blessed shall you be in the country somewhere else. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds. That's your business. That's your work. Increase. The increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. That's your bank account. That's your savings account. That's your cool cost. It will never be empty. Amen. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed you are when you go out. When you leave today, you're leaving more blessed than when you came. And then when you come back next week, you oh, hallelujah, I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm just overflowing. I'm dripping in abundance. I think you have. <laughs> the Lord will cause your enemy. Oh, but, but pastor, you don't know the devil's really after me. You don't know this devil's change. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise up against you. They come against you one way, but they flee from you in seven directions. Have you ever seen, you know, Looney Tunes cartoons? When Tom and Jerry, you know, Tom is coming after Jerry. And then the big bulldog shows up. And the bulldog goes. And then the, the, the cat, you know, he doesn't even know how fast he has to run. His feet just slip, slip, slip. That's what the devil does when, he, when you show up. He will flee from you in seven directions because he understands that you know. See, when you know, that you know. So when you, when you don't know, the devil knows you don't know. But when you know, I'm blessed. When you know you're uncursable. When you know you're only above and never beneath. When you know you only go up and you never go down. When you know greater is he who lives in you than he who's in this world. Then the devil knows you know because there's something in your eyes. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, it says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous, they're as bold as a lion. You can be bold because the lion of Judah lives on the inside of you. You can tell poverty, go to hell where you came from. You can tell lack, get out of here in the name of Jesus. You can tell the lies of the devil. You can say, enough is enough. Not in my house. I'm blessed. Flee from you in seven directions. And the Lord will command the blessing on you. In your storehouses and to all to which you set your hand. At your work. So you got to set your hand to something. You can't sit at home and expect a blessing to just come falling out of the sky. He'll command the blessing on you. In your storehouses and to all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Many people are looking for a, a fairer country. Maybe if I move to America, then, then I'll be blessed. Has nothing to do with location. Has everything to do with revelation. Amen. He will bless you in the land where he has put you. Where you are right now, that's where you're blessed. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. See, this thing doesn't work outside of holiness. There's no prosperity outside of holiness. Because sin is the mother of sickness, disease, poverty, and lack. So when you step out of holiness into sinfulness, what happens? You just cut off your own blessing. But when you live that holy life, you walk in the light as he is in the light. Guess what? Effortless, sweat-free blessings just overtake you. Don't get quiet on me now. Otherwise I'll do an altar call right now. And then guess what? Then all the people of the earth, all the people here in Amsterdam, all the people in your family, all the people who always told you you're a mountain, you are a mountain, nothing, you're, you, you can't do anything. They will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. You're not called, you're not destined to be pitied by the world. You're called to be envied by the world. That the world looks at you and says, man, 
that God they serve, he's a really good God. This is different than religion. This is different than what the others have. I, I, I want to know what they have. I want to know their God too. And then it says this, and the Lord will grant you plenty of goods. In the King James Version it says, and the Lord will give you a surplus of prosperity. If we translate that to Dutch, you know what it says? An This is going to make some religious people mad. An overvloed from voorspoed. An overvloed from voorspoed. That's not just making it. That's more than enough. That's dripping in abundance. That's rivers flowing out of you. That's blessing everywhere you go. That's everywhere you go, you leave a trail of devastation for the kingdom of darkness. Because you're just blessed and you're a blessing. A surplus of prosperity. Some people have just enough faith. They have faith for just enough. They have faith for just making it. They have survival faith. But I want to challenge you today to, to switch gears. Same faith, but to have faith for more than enough. He says he gives you richly all things to enjoy. More than enough. An overflow. Excessive. Too big to contain. Plenty of goods. In the fruit of your body, the increase of your livestock, and the produce of your ground. In the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens. To give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you'll never need to borrow. Ooh. Hallelujah. At the river we say, put that in your pipe and smoke that. So blessed you'll never need to borrow. That's next level. And watch this one. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Maybe you've been the tail all your life. But today something switches. Today you come into a new place. See your natural circumstances line up with your spiritual realities. If you don't have any revelation of where you are in Christ, if you don't have any revelation that you are ascended with Christ and you're seated with Christ at, at the right hand of God, far above, then you're always going to be far under. Because the devil knows you don't know. But once the light goes on and you understand, I'm far above. I'm not called to be the tail. I'm called to be the head only and never be beneath. I'm called to go only up. And never down. That's why we can boldly say where we find ourselves today is the lowest place we ever be. From here it's only upwards. The path of the righteous is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter. It doesn't say a bright and then dim and then a little bit bright and then more dim. Lots of valleys, little mountaintops. No, it says brighter and brighter. And it says the head only, above only, never beneath. In Dutch it says, you should enkel opgaan en nooit neergaan. Never going down again. Amen. Only up from here. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and be careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I speak to you, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods, to serve them. So that's where we see what blessing rests upon us. For every believer... Has nothing to do with title, has nothing to do with position, has just to do with faith. Those who are of faith are blessed. So, how do we activate that faith? How do we walk in that faith? Just like Jesus died for the sins of all the world, and really anybody can come and be saved. But somebody has to activate their own faith to become part of the family of God. The same way this, the same, this is the same thing. Jesus paid the price to remove the curse from our lives and to see the blessing overflow in our lives. But it takes the same kind of faith to activate it, to say enough is enough from today. I'm no longer under, I'm only up. I'm only up. So how do we activate that faith? It, you know, if you want to win a soul, you activate your faith by sowing the seed of the word. You preach the gospel. If you want to see... 
a breakthrough in some area, then many times prayer and fasting is a key of breakthrough. But the Bible never says, never instructs us to pray and fast about money. The Bible says give. Give. You can do a bunch of praying, a bunch of fasting. You, you can fast as long and get as skinny as me. And I eat a lot of food. <laughs> that the wind comes and it blows you away all, all the way to America. But it doesn't get you any financial breakthrough because that's not the key to breakthrough in that realm. The Bible says, Jesus said in Luke 6 verse 38, he says, give and it shall be given back to you again. Good measure, press down, shaking together. He didn't say pray and it shall be given unto you. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, the Paul told the Corinthian church, he's taking up an offering. And he's telling them, he said, you sow little, you reap little. You sow big, you reap big. No one, no one determines the size of your own harvest other than you. And how do you determine it? By the seed you sow. Malachi 3 says, you know, if you would really believe God. God says, prove me now with this. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven. When? When you bring your tithe and your offering. What's the tithe? The tithe is the, what, what's the tithe? Does somebody, does somebody know? What's the tithe? Everybody knows it's a trick question. It's 10% of your income? Huh? It's 10% of your income? No. The tithe is the first 10% of all your income. First. Some people put God last. People say, well, I can't afford to tithe. No, you, you can, but you've already spent it all on other things. <laughs> you can't afford any more to tithe. Right? See, that's not some gimmick to get money out of your pocket and to build a church. It's God's key to breakthrough for your life. God doesn't need your money. I don't need your money. You need God's blessing. God has all the silver and all the gold. He says, a cattle of a on a thousand hills, it's all mine. He said, if I need something, would I tell you? You're too small. You're too small to talk about, to talk to when I need something. That's what God says, basically. So we're not giving because God has a need. We don't give either because we say, oh, you know, guys, um, if, you don't, if you don't give anymore, then, you, you know, we, you like this screen? We won't be able to pay for this screen anymore if you don't give. You like these lights? We won't be able to pay for these lights anymore. That's not why we give. That's not why we tithe. We give to honor God. To worship Him. To let Him know and to remind ourselves He is numero uno in our lives. He is number one. First Samuel 2 verse 30, God says, if you will honor me. I will honor you. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessing that you don't have room enough to receive it all. See if I won't just radically, excessively overflow my blessing on you that you'll be dripping in abundance like crazy. That your family will be scratching their heads saying, what in the world is going on with you? But where does it start? It starts with faith put to action. Prove me now in this that you honor me with the tithe and with the offering. The first, the best. Don't put God last because it's a dishonor to the Most High. If you read Malachi chapter 1, I don't have much time left, but Malachi chapter 1 on from verse 6, God is ticked off at the people of Israel. See, they were giving in every offering but God was not happy with their offerings. In Malachi 1 verse 6, it says, God says, if I'm a father, where is my honor? If I'm a master, where is the reverence? Reverence. And then the, the people say, in what way have we despised your name? In what way have we dissed you? And God said, in the tithe and in the offering. And they said, oh, what are, we've been giving. But God says, no, when you bring broken offerings... Isn't it a disgrace? Isn't it, isn't it a slap in my face? Isn't it a disrespect? You know, they, in the Old Testament, they had to bring their sheep and their oxen and all these different things, their animals to the, to the house of God. You know, that would be something today. You show up at the Q factory and it's like, meh. <laughs> What's that? Oh, that's ACC going to worship God. Bunch of blood flowing here. 
That's not, that's not how we do it anymore. But that was their wealth. That was their increase. But you know what? They, they were supposed to pick out their best animal, the most beautiful lamb, the most beautiful sheep. And they were supposed to bring that one to the Lord. But you know what they did? They're like, hmm, let me uh, find the ugliest sheep I have. Because I can't sell that on the market. And let me just give that one to God. That's the same as like, mm, let's see. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can be noch a paar munches. Clink, clink, clink. But you are wearing $300 shoes. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with having $300 shoes. I have, I have plenty of them. What's wrong is the priority. Who comes first? So when you put yourself first, you're going to have to hustle for yourself. But when you could put God first, he's going to hustle for you. They were bringing broken offerings. They were like, well, this sheep I can't sell anyway. It only has one ear or three legs. Meh, meh. Going to the temple. Where are you going? Oh, I'm giving this one to the Lord. And the Lord's like, he says, just stop giving altogether. I can't even watch this anymore. Because it's, they're like, well, we're giving to you, right? Yeah, but what you're giving, it shows your heart. See, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Matthew, Matthew 6, verse 21. So you're... What you're presenting to God, it's not just about the money. It's not about the amount. It's about the reflection of your heart. And some people, they only give God the leftovers. And God's like, talk to the hand. The face won't listen. <laughs> no wonder we're struggling. But when we start honoring God and putting God first. And you know, when you honor God, you know you honor God. Because He's number one. Not just easy to talk. Easy to sing about it. But there's an English saying that says, put your money where your mouth is. What is really, seek first the kingdom of God. Is that really first priority? The house of the Lord. The kingdom of God. Souls being saved. The church being built. Disciples being made. Is that really what you wake up for in the morning on Monday? Man, I thank you Lord for this day where I can go and work and, and receive increase. So that I can come and honor you with that on Sunday. So I can see this house built. So I can see the kingdom of God increase in the nation. Lord, give me more so I can be a greater blessing. Or, or are we just in it for ourselves? See, we got to be in it for the kingdom of God. And when we're in it for the kingdom of God, God has seen your heart. And then when everything means nothing to you, God can give you everything. See, but everything won't mean nothing to you until you break some alabaster boxes. Until you let go of some stuff that holds your heart. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When your treasure is in your clothing cost. Or when you're driving your treasure. Or when you're living in your treasure. Then God says, you can only have one treasure. God wants to occupy that place in our life. He wants to be number one. He wants to be our all in all. And it's easy to say it. Nobody like you, Lord. Nobody like you. But is it really, is he really our, our worship from Monday through Saturday as well? It's reflected in our giving. It's reflecting in our finances. It's reflected in the way in, in which we use those finances for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And when we do, man, I can tell you today, we're not giving so that the lights can stay on. But when we're giving... The church is going to be blessed for sure. But moreover, you're going to be blessed. And when you stay faithful in that, guess what? In five years, in 10 years, in 20 years, the top entrepreneurs in Holland, they're going to be from the church. Amen. I can tell you story after story of my wife and I not just tithing, not just giving, but a level over, radical giving. Radical giving. Where it's like, I want to just show the Lord how much I love Him. I remember one time, I'll tell you one story and then we pray. We had just started the church, I think a year before. This is like around 2014 or something like that. And, you know, in this place where we believe in God and things like that. And I had to go to a minister's conference at our home church in Tampa. I just had to go. I just had to receive. I had to just sit uh, in the presence of God and just, you know, receive. As a pastor, you're always pouring out. You're always giving out. You're always, you know, uh, if people always need something from you. You're always giving out. That's why you got to honor your pastors. 
One great way to honor God through tithing, but another way is to honor men and women of God. Hey. Now I'm getting in your kitty litter box, we call that. We can get in your face right now. No, it's, it's, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5 verse 17, it says that those who labor in the word and in prayer, they are worthy of double honor. Not just normal, double honor. These people are men and a woman of God. And they're worthy of double honor. Appreciate them. Value them. To honor means to esteem highly. To honor means to put a weight on something or someone. God felt disrespected because they esteemed him lowly. They didn't value him to the extent that he's supposed to be valued. But we can do the same with the, the gifts that God sends to us. Fivefold ministries, men and women of God, that he, that, he, that he puts something inside of them for our benefit. The fivefold ministry is given for the church, for the, for the saints to be raised up, to be. So when you don't unwrap that gift, when you see him, oh, that's just John. That's just grace. That's just those guys that can sing and preach and all these things. But when you start seeing the treasure in the earthen vessel, something happens. You, you start receiving from that treasure. But uh, I, was in, uh, I was there in Tampa. I just needed refreshment. So I was, I was there sitting and I had put the ticket, the flight to the U.S. I had put it on my credit card. I just, I had to go. It was about, a, I think, 900 euros. And when I was there, I was like, thank you, Lord. I believe that by the end of this week, I'll have the money to pay that ticket. And you know, that's, that's little faith. You should believe for overflow, but I wasn't there yet then. So sure enough, during that week, some person comes to me and says, hey, the Lord spoke to me and I want to give you this. And they gave me a check of $1,000. I said, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I gave my $100 tithe and then I paid off the credit card. I said, praise the Lord. That, that, that's, that was my plan. I was like, I can pay off the ticket and then I can tithe. So I tithe and then I put the check in my pocket and I said, okay, I can put that in the bank and then I can pay off the credit card when I come home. So I put the check in my pocket here. You know what a check is? It's like an old school thing in America they use. They put the right amount of money in there. You can put that in a bank account. So I put that in my pocket and I left it there. It was like Tuesday of the meeting. On Thursday, I was going to fly. So on Thursday, I'm sitting in my last service there and they're preaching and different things and I just sat there and I was like, Lord, I'm so grateful for all that I've received from you. I'm so grateful for how good you've been to me. I just want to give you something that really means something to me. What can I give you, Lord? I'll give my shoes. I'll give my watch. I'll give my jacket. I'll give whatever you want. I don't have much money. And then as I'm talking to the Lord about that, he says, I want you to give me that check. And I said, Lord, I'll give you anything. Hallelujah. Become all spiritual all of a sudden. Get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> I said, Lord, again, I'll give you anything. I'll give you my shoes. I'll give you my watch. I'll give you my jacket. Anything you want, Lord. I'll put it on the altar. I just, Lord, I love you. I just want to worship you with something that means something to me. Yeah, give me the check. Lord, not the check, not the check. Who's ever been there before? You start, you start arguing with God in the middle of the meeting. If you're married, it's even better because then you're like, Lord, my wife will never agree with that. But my wife, my wife is a more radical giver than me. So if I said, I'm supposed to give a thousand, she said, I felt ten thousand. Like, oh, don't, let's go with my amount. pretty cool thing not to brag but to just say the, the faithfulness of God now this week tomorrow I'm flying back to Tampa again and I'm giving a hundred thousand euros there in one shot by the blessing of God so I'm like Lord not the check not the check and the Lord says the check the check I'm like but Lord I've already tithed on that and I'm negative 900 I have that credit card 900 and and and, and how am I going to do that and the Lord's like, you said you wanted to give me something that meant something. <laughs> Break this alabaster box. I was like, I thought this was my provision. But like I said earlier, a little becomes much when you put it in the master's hands. When you're, still, when you're just obedient to do what he tells you to do, guess what? He never, he never is out there. God is not a robber. 
God is a rewarder. He's not a, re a robber of those who diligently seek Him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So I said, okay, Lord, I, I trust you. I've seen enough of your goodness in my life. I, I'll do it. So I signed the back of the check and I put it in the offering. And I waved my money goodbye. Bye-bye. The Bible talks about those who sow with tears, they will reap with joy. I walked out of that meeting. Remember, I was there a whole week and nobody had given me anything other than that one, $1,000. And I wasn't even preaching that week. I hadn't preached at all. I was just there visiting. I wasn't pastor of a big church in Amsterdam. I was pastor of a 10-member church in Amsterdam. It's like a home group size. So it's not like people are like, oh, you're this amazing pastor or whatever. No. Nobody knew who I was. So I walk out of that meeting after giving that $1,000. And before I'm out, people start coming to me one after the other after the other. And I'm walking out with, I think, $1,300 in my pocket from just random people that give me money. So I had given $1,000. Now I got $1,300. And then there's this one lady. She says, hey, I don't have any money with me now. But give me your bank account. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to send you some money. And I give her the account number, and then I get an email. When I fly back home, I get an email from her, and it says, hey, uh, I, I, the first thousand is on its way, and I've made it a recurring thing. From now on, every month you get a thousand. Hello. So now, from one seed, one sacrifice, one seed of tears, one seed of faith, it's not just coming back once, nor twice, nor three times. It came back 14 times in one year. Amen. Hallelujah. If God can do it for little Ben and little Jackie, God can surely do it for you. Amen. There's not a situation too great or too big or too impossible for him. All it requires is faith. Faith. People who are willing to do the ridiculous to see the impossible. I want you to take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes. I've said enough, but I want you to Ask the Lord this afternoon. Like I said in that chair there in Florida, asking the Lord, Lord, I want to give you, I want to worship you with my giving. I know you don't need my money, Lord, but I just want to bless you. I want to prove to myself and to you and to every devil in hell that you are number one in my life. No one can take your place. I want to break the whole of mammon of my life. And I want to honor you with my very, very best. I want you to ask the Lord today what He wants you to do. What can you give today that represents your best? Maybe you've never tithed. Start today. Maybe you've never given radically. You've only tipped God. Stop tipping God. Give Him the best. Maybe you've never honored your pastors with a seed of honor. Today is a great day. I think it was Pastor Grace's birthday last week. I don't know if they did anything for you, but I had it in my heart. That you guys should be radically blessed walking out of church today, loaded down with cash. I want you to take a moment and ask the Lord. And maybe some of you are fighting with the Lord. But I want you to do, just do what He tells you to do. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Not somebody who is pressured to give. Not somebody who does it grudgingly. But somebody who does it willingly, cheerfully, with joy, with gladness. Oh Lord, what a joy that I can bless you. Oh Lord, what a joy that I can honor you. Oh Lord, what a joy that I can give to you. I want you to, when you know what to do, I want you to make your offering ready to the Lord. If things you want to give to the Lord, I want you to come to the front and put it on the altar. I think there's a QR code that's coming on the screen if you want to give to the church. You can do so. You can transfer your tithe, your offerings 
through, the, through that QR code on the screen. Give your best today. But maybe some people want to break an alabaster box and they want to worship the Lord with an act of giving. Maybe you've brought something that you want to give. Then I want you to bring it to the front. Maybe some others you want to bless your pastors and honor your pastors today. Then come. Don't hesitate. Let's take it. Let's stand to our feet. And the worship team will sing a song of worship to the Lord. But don't just sing to the Lord. But worship Him with your best today. Let the Lord move you today. Take a step of faith today where you say, yes, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to pour this out as oil on Jesus' feet. As if Jesus was standing here today. Go ahead, let's sing. Alone to us.